From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome you to this broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. As we begin this new year, we invite you to hear Dr. Cairns as he continues a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. Ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. The fatherhood of God is common to all his children. Ah, little faith, you have often said, Oh, that I had the courage of great heart, that I could wield his sword and be as valiant as he! But, alas, I stumble at every straw, and a shadow makes me afraid. Listen, little faith, great heart is God's child, and you are God's child too. And great heart is not one whit more God's child than you are. Peter and Paul, the highly favored apostles, were of the family of the Most High, and so are you also. The weak Christian is as much a child of God as the strong one. This covenant stands secure, though earth's old pillars bow. The strong, the feeble, and the weak are one in Jesus now. All the names are in the same family register. One may have more grace than another, but God our Heavenly Father has the same tender heart towards all. One may do more mighty works and may bring more glory to his Father. But he whose name is the least in the kingdom of heaven is as much the child of God as he who stands among the king's mighty men. Let this cheer and comfort us when we draw near to God and say, Our Father. Yet, while we are comforted by knowing this, let us not rest contented with weak faith, but ask, like the apostles, to have it increased. However feeble our faith may be, if it be real faith in Christ, we shall reach heaven at last. But we shall not honor our Master much on our pilgrimage, neither shall we abound in joy and peace. If then you would live to Christ's glory and be happy in His service, seek to be filled with the spirit of adoption more and more completely, till perfect love shall cast out fear. Shine, Lord. 
One of the hallmarks of Protestant Christianity is its tradition of singing. Just as the worship in the Old Testament was characterized by song, so the people of God down through the ages have been a singing people. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer a CD entitled Our Great Redeemer's Praise that contains nearly an hour of the great hymns of the church performed by the various musical groups of Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. The CD is available free of charge to our Let the Bible Speak listeners. To obtain a copy, you may contact us by email, by telephone, or by regular mail. You may write to Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may simply call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Ask for your free copy of Our Great Redeemer's Praise. As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he resumes a message entitled, Our Lord's Lessons for Living. The passage under consideration is found in Matthew chapters 17 and 18, which contain a number of seemingly unconnected incidents from which Christ taught the disciples some important life lessons. As Lord of heaven and earth, Christ was not obligated to pay the temple tax or tribute, for he is the one for whose worship the temple was built. Yet in a display of great humility, he paid not only the tax for himself, but for Peter as well. Here is a picture of the gospel. Jesus paid what he did not owe for those who could pay nothing. Now Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of this message, Our Lord's Lessons for Living. When you look at this, this part of the ministry of Christ, you'll see that he spent his time more and more as he approached the end of his earthly life. He spent his time more and more getting his disciples alone and teaching them and equipping them for the work of his kingdom. When you read Matthew 17, the latter part of the chapter, 
Matthew 18. When you read the parallel passages in Mark 9 and Luke 9, what you have is a series of apparently unrelated events. But what they have in common is this, that the Lord Jesus took every one of these events and he used it to bring his disciples into the school of true spiritual discipline and to prepare them for his service. In other words, he took these things, and as a master teacher, he used them as ways of getting vital spiritual instruction over to people whom he was going to launch forth on a great work for himself. The Lord Jesus has much to say to us on the very same subjects. And I want us to start looking at these and see some of these lessons for Christian living that the Lord Jesus gives to us, his people. Starting in Matthew 17, verse 22 through to verse 24, there's something you need to, and I've emphasized this so many times, you'll wonder why I do it again, and it's because we're all a little slow in the uptake, including the preacher. And we need to have it emphasized. I don't emphasize it any more than the Bible does. And that is, right at the very beginning, before you get into all the, the lessons or the principles of Christian living, here's the first thing. We need to get a sight of Christ in His perfections to equip us for all the crises of life. In this little passage, 17:22 to 24, we have, not long after the events on the Mount of Transfiguration, Christ down among his disciples. They're now around Capernaum, probably at the home of Peter, who lived there and whose home was often used as a base by the Lord Jesus. We have a taxman coming to Peter, probably because he was first the householder, and second, because they were probably afraid to come directly to the Lord Jesus. They asked, does your, does your master pay tax? Now, the tax in question here was, I think, the temple tax. It was not a Roman tax. That's a question would come up later about what you pay to Caesar. But every Jew, this started in the days of Moses, it was uh, resurrected in the days after the exile for the support of the temple. Every Jew, every man over the age of 20, rich or poor, had to pay the same tax, half a shekel. Half a shekel for the upkeep of the house of God. This was the law. And so they came to Peter and they said, does your master pay tribute? Does he pay the temple tax? And immediately Peter, apparently wishing to defend the honor of Christ, said, yes, he does. This tax, this is an important chronological pointer in the life of Christ. This tax was raised around the time of the, the Passover. You could pay it at Jerusalem at the time of the Passover, or usually a week or two beforehand, the tax men would be going around, and if you weren't getting to Jerusalem to pay it there, pay it now. We know, therefore, this was around Passover time. So this is about one year before 
the end of the public ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does he pay? Yes, he does. But then the Lord Jesus took Peter in, and he says, Peter, what do you think? Do earthly kings levy the tax for the upkeep of their house and their business? Do they levy that tax of their own sons? And that's the word that's translated children. Do they levy the tax of their own sons? Or do they levy the tax of strangers? Peter immediately said, well, they, they levy it of strangers. The logic that the Lord Jesus brought to bear is very telling. He says, then are the sons free, exempt. Now, I want you to get the force of what he's saying here. Remember, they had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter had heard the voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son. Jesus is saying, Peter, they're asking for the legal tribute to the house of God. Of whom does the king of kings exact a tribute? Is it of his son or of the strangers? His son is free. That was the message. And what a message indeed. What a vision Peter got of Christ. He was facing a challenge in his own life. The challenge was growing every day he lived. This was for Peter and the rest of them, one of the most critical times in all their lives, even if they hadn't fully grasped it. And the Lord is saying, Peter, I want you to see who you're dealing with here before you get out to deal with the tax man or the problems or the troubles of life. Get this straight in your mind. Who I am, I am the Son of God. And I am, and this is the great, this is the great claim of Christ. I am above this law. I am the one to whom the tribute should be paid, not from whom the tribute should be exacted. That's what he's saying. What a revelation. The Son of God. Men and women... Let me tell you, as I've said a thousand times from this pulpit, before you get out to meet any other problem, and before you bring to bear upon that problem any other spiritual truth, get your eyes first and foremost firmly planted on the person of your Savior. No other truth, and I want you to understand this, no other truth in all the Bible has any liberating power if it is divorced from faith in Jesus Christ. Now that's a big statement. 
But I want to emphasize it, and I'm emphasizing it against the background that in our Bible-believing churches, we have got people fixated on this principle and that principle and that doctrine and that verse. Let me tell you, you can learn every verse in the Bible, and it may as well be from the Koran, as long as it is divorced from faith in Jesus Christ. Get your eyes on him. He is the Son of God. Notice how he displays his perfections to Peter here. He is the all-knowing one. Do you notice this, that he first of all introduces this passage by again telling what's going to happen in Jerusalem? He knows it in advance. Do you notice that he could tell Peter what his conversation with the man, the tribute collector, was. He could tell them what it was without ever having to ask or be informed. Do you notice he could tell them where to go, what fish to find, what he would find there? He's the all-knowing one. What a wonderful thing to realize when you're stepping out to the perplexities of life. The Lord Jesus doesn't need to wait to be informed of it. He doesn't need to learn about it. He knows it all. There's nothing that I'm going to face this day, this week, or this lifetime, but that has been in the vision of Christ all along. He knoweth the path that I take. Not only the all-knowing one, but the all-powerful one. You see, the power seems a little thing, and actually scholars debate over this particular miracle. There's a, a kind of so-called scholar that finds all the miraculous in the New Testament offensive to their intellect, and this is one miracle that they find more offense in than most of them. Uh, they look upon this as almost magic. It's just a, a, a gratuitous uh, claim of power. But no, it's not. This is the Lord Jesus showing, I have power in heaven and in earth. I can put a coin in the mouth of a fish just as I can scatter stars across the heavens and hold them there by the word of my power. We serve an omnipotent Christ. But then there is the perfection of his grace and his goodness. You see his humility? That's there. But let me tell you what strikes me most of all. And to me, this is the thing you've always got to take with you when you're going out into life. He says, I am the Son. I'm exempt. You pay tax or tribute to me. You don't take it from me. I am the Son of God. That's his claim here. And yet, what does he do? He pays the tribute. 
with the coin of his own creation. He made himself subject to God's law. He owed it nothing, but he paid it everything. In the words of the 69th Psalm, he restored what he took not away. He paid what he didn't owe. And then he paid for Peter's as well. That's the gospel, you know. That's the very heart of the gospel. The Son of God, owing nothing to the law, makes himself subject to the law. He makes a payment of a debt he did not owe. And he does it for people who couldn't pay their own. That is the very nub of the gospel message. If you're here this morning with a load of guilt and sin, I want you to understand that sin and that guilt will not go away by your denying it. You may seek to evade the payment of the the tribute, as it were. You may seek to evade the force and the condemnation of the law, but you cannot run forever. It is there to be met, to be faced, to be confessed. But wherewith will you pay it? It's not the payment of a penny or two. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The man that doesn't continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them is condemned by everything in the book of the law. Cursed by God. So where will you pay? And with what will you pay? Let me tell you, there is no grace in the popish gospel that you pay either by prayers or by gifts or by works. There is no grace in the pseudo-Calvinistic gospel, and I say pseudo for it is neither Calvinistic nor gospel, that you prepare yourself by the depth of your feeling or the hotness of your tears or the sincerity of your lamenting. There is no merit in anything that any man can do to pay to God Almighty. But I want to tell you, there's power in Jesus' blood. Jesus paid it all. All. Throughout the New Testament, therefore, the command to the man in debt to God is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You recognize your debt? Then let me point you to him who frees the debtor because he has personally paid the debt. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. 
We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 